0: So three point sermon thing, yes um, I was chatting with Scotty um, About the verse um, I'm speaking from the lectionary um, to, Tonight And um, it's, it's this little chunk in Mark Where Jesus goes somewhere Heals some people And then goes, alright, let's go somewhere else And heal some people and talk to them about stuff Um, And it feels pretty pedestrian when you first hit it, and so I was was chatting with Scotty about it, and he's like, look, you just need to bang out a three-point sermon, you know. Pick three bits you like of the story, tell some other stories in the middle, and at the end say something really emotional, and then we'll go into worship. Um, So so that's kind of not what I'm going to do. Usually what I do is I sit down and I I try to unpack a bit of text and give a bit of background um, and really try to dig into, like, what are the what are the core truths that are kind of in there, and, and try to try to get it out? Um, I'm not going to do that either. Um, I'm going to get you guys to do that for me. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yes. So what I'm talk- going to talk about tonight is a little bit about stories, um, like what they are and what like why we do stories, um, and, and the the LB crew probably heard me rant on this stuff. A bunch before, so um, yeah, sorry if you get bored. Um, But stories are these really interesting uh, little artifacts um, of of culture. Um, They're basically the basis upon which we base, how we view the world. Our entire worldview kind of basically boils down to the little stories that we tell ourselves about others, about ourselves, about the universe, about God. It, It all boils down to which versions of which stories are we telling ourselves they're these fascinating little things. They, we use them to define whether we're in a group or whether we're out of a group. We use them to define whether um, we have an understanding of ourselves or whether that's, that's too much for us. Um, they're really the only vehicle that we have for shared memory because um, when it comes down to it, um, facts on a page um, don't generally stick with us like story does. They don't carry emotion. They, they carry facts, but they don't carry the emotion. And so if we want to share emotion, if we want to share belief, if we want to share something deeper than a fact, the only way we've figured out how to do it so far has been through stories. Um, and it's interesting, we, we're constantly being told stories, and, and we talk about it a lot here at Blueprint like, we're told stories about ourselves, like our, our culture is constantly telling us stories. Um, like you should be happier, yeah. right? We've talked about that before, um, but there's a whole heap. There's a whole heap. So um, why don't you kind of crank together with a with a group of three or four people, um, and just just nut through, like what are the stories that you kind of feel society is is telling us, and maybe how is it getting that across? Um, yeah. So we'll be back in. Three minutes, two minutes, three minutes. Cool. All righty, let's uh, let's reconvene. Let us let us congress together. All righty, um, over here, over here. Um, give me a couple of themes. What, what kind of stories are we being told? Lies? <laughs> what kind of stories do we hear about ourselves or about or about others? The lion.
1: <laughs> no one's ever
0: watched television ever. Brilliant. Over here, anyone? Uh, you're not happy if you buy this shit you will be happy. Yeah, exactly. That's one thing. any, any anyone else talk about anything else? Because I mean that's a pretty dominant theme. <laughs> Yeah. Especially on a sunny day, and especially if you look at other people's Facebook, they're all having yeah. much more fun than you do. Yeah. Definitely. We talked about like, last <laughs> it's all pretty much doomed, so just have fun. It's all doomed, so just have fun. Yeah. said, yeah. so Ecclesiastes kind of goes into <laughs> that pretty, pretty hard on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't sacrifice anything. Have it all. And you should be productive. Amen. Yeah. Don't rest. Don't be lazy. You're only be to the partake this product. Exactly. Yep. And how, how do we get these stories? Like, like, stories aren't... We don't just sit down around a campfire anymore, right? No. Like, story... Well, I mean, sometimes, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and then you take a picture... <laughs> We've got the campfire, it's good. Um, but how, how did, like, that's not the norm, right? That's, that's not where the majority of the voices that are talking to us are coming from. They're not coming from our crew around a campfire talking about ourselves. They're coming from Facebook. externally. Where do they come from? Facebook. God. And Facebook. Facebook, sometimes God. And the uh, advertisement, television, my goodness, yes. <laughs> Jesus as well. Yeah. Social media. Social media, my goodness. YouTube. YouTube. DVDs DVDs, <laughs> DVDs. Everything, everything Everything is telling us a story about something. Everything is telling us a story about something, and whether we resonate with that or not determines like, what we believe and who we are. Um, most of, like my list is like pretty short, but it's like you should be happier, right? Because happiness is, should be guaranteed. Um, you should be coupled up. Like, there is this massive pressure to just, you know, couple up straight away. Um, You should be prettier or more handsome, obviously. Um, You should be richer. You should be adored. You should be smarter. You should work harder, but you should also focus on yourself. Um, You should be getting more rest, but you should still be working harder. Um, Movies, books, advertising, billboards, social media. It's everywhere, right? Like, there are these expectations on us that are trying to push us to view ourselves a certain way. Um, I think we went through the the, the advertising thing, but like, there is nothing grander than Super Bowl advertising. We're about to hit Super Bowl it's tomorrow. Well, it's, it's technically today if you're in America, but um, it's tomorrow, and and the advertising is just insane. They have budgets the size of small movies for these one or two minute clips that they spend twenty to thirty million dollars to air for each one, um, and they're just getting insane uh, tomorrow. Uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon um, has this—I has this, think it's a two-minute advertisement. They're going to it's Insane, um, but it's basically Gordon Ramsay, Rebel Wilson, and Anthony Hopkins who are going to try to sell you um, a plastic biscuit that's made by a bookstore that can order your toilet paper for you. And if they do really well, um, they'll, they'll actually anthropomorphise it so that you believe and you feel um, that she is a person that you miss, and then you'll buy an Amazon Echo and, I don't know, put it in your toilet and talk to it or something, I don't know, quite, I don't quite get it. Um, the, like Chris Pratt is selling beer, um, with, with the implicit assumption that um, if you drink this terrible beer, and it is a terrible beer, um, you will be just as uh, popular as him, um, and just as self-deprecating, and just as humble as him. Um, <laughs> and then Peter Dinklage and Morgan Freeman um, Are going to try to sell you Mountain Dew and Doritos um, yeah. Definitely in character And they're going to do that through that Classic medium of a lip sync battle And the fact that almost everyone in this room Knows what a lip sync battle is Just terrifying um, <laughs> but, but it's it's Again, it's Telling us a story Through fame, through desire Through telling us Our lives will be better right? That, that is one voice that is telling us stories Um, and often uh, when we have a community that is not part of I guess that mainstream um, we need vehicles to tell ourselves different stories Um, I went to um, a a Jewish Seder last year um, put on by um, a work colleague Um, and uh, obviously um, in a fit of forgetfulness I, I took him a bottle of beer to the feast of unleavened bread, I took leavened beer, um, which is about as culturally sensitive as, I, I don't know, maybe driving a Humvee to a Carbon Zero event, or, I, I don't know. But, but anyway, um, the, the, the point of a, of a Passover Seder is is to basically tell a story. Tell a story the same way um, your ancestors told that story, um, it's, kind of, it's even codified. It's codified down to these beautiful books called um, Haggadah. And Haggadah is, is either a very beautiful, ornate book or a very simple book that basically lays out um, a Seder. It lays out prayers, it lays out the order of things, it lays out um, how to perform a Seder and, and all the words and all the order and, and what you should be doing um, in order that you continue to tell the same story. Generation after generation after generation. These things stretch back way, way, way back. Um, And they were designed so that the Jewish people could continue to tell the story of their ancestors over and over and over again to their children and have their children pass it on to their children. It's a device for story, for telling people who they are. And our Haggadah is the Gospels. Our Haggadah is the stories of Jesus, that, that, those stories about Jesus. And so that, that little chunk I'm working on has this, it wasn't that I couldn't pull three points out of it, it's that there were just too many points. It looks plain on the outset, but, but the stories are so deep, there were just too many points to pull out. So we're going to try to pull a, a few more of them out um, tonight. But let's recap, Mark, 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 Mark is this amazing piece of literature. Um, usually when scholars first hit Mark, uh, they're like, who the hell is this guy and why do we care? Because all this is just copy and paste. <laughs> um, at, at points it looks like he's just lifted it, hasn't changed any of the grammar and just pasted it in. Um, so he's, he's been reading something else and gone, that looks nice. <laughs> that's a good turn of phrase, we will chuck it in there. It doesn't, doesn't even quite, quite fit. Um, it's obviously either being produced very quickly or kind of a little bit Um But that's what it kind of looks like on the face of it. Um, but then you start kind of digging into it It's this really interesting book It's, it's super fast paced um, He, he kind of doesn't sweat details He's, he's about the action um, So I'm, I'm reading from like 29 verses in And Jesus is he's like No, nah, none of that Jesus birth stuff Let's cut str- straight to the, uh, yeah, the, the baptism stuff And he went to it No, skip the desert stuff Let's go on um, It's really, really fast paced um, and it's, it's really well constructed um, if you kind of get Greek story forms. And I know you're all deep Greek literature geeks here. Um, <laughs> but, but there's some really, really meaty stuff in there if, if you want to like really go deep on that stuff. But what's it about? Um, there's this really interesting idea uh, about Mark in there. It's actually satire. It's actually satire. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Mark is kind of set in this, in this time... Um, when kind of everything was, I guess, he was living in a time uh, under Roman occupation, right? Um, where the emperor was viewed as a god. And the way that kind of happened was kind of, in Greece everything was kind of falling apart, falling to corruption. And there were a whole bunch of uprisings um, after um, Julius Caesar kind of got the, the old stabby. Um, and, and Octavian, um, who was um, supposed to be, be the next emperor technically... Um, he, kind of, he defeated all the people who were trying to do the uprising. Mark Anthony, Cleopatra, great movie. Let's move on. He renamed himself Augustus a bit before that. Um, and, and he kind of took on the, the title um, son of Caesar, son of Julius, son of the God, son of the deity who was Caesar, son of God. And he became known as the son of God. And people started to give thanks for him. He, he brought pos- prosperity and peace back um, to this little group of humans. Um, and they started to, to praise the gods for sending their saviour, the son of God, Augustus. Um, he continued to try to strengthen those ties with, with, with deity. Um, they, they kind of did a lot of that through, through art and um, through poetry. Um, if you read Virgil's um, Anid, it basically tries to um, tie Augustus as, as this um, being of light Um, who tied all the way back to Troy. Um, But he became known as son of God. Um, And mostly he brought peace and prosperity um, by taking armies into places that were already reasonably peaceful um, and bringing peace to those places, generally by murdering all the men there. Um, But he brought peace to them, and they were were brought to the peace of the, the mighty Roman Empire. Um, and and when, when that happened, uh, when, when they went and um, brought peace to someone else who didn't really want that peace, um, they would send out these runners um, throughout the empire to let everyone know that they, they had brought peace um, to a, a far-flung, remote part of the empire. Um, and so you, you had these these men, these uh, Evangelion, who um, they were part Hamish Dobby, ultra-runner, and part Scotty Reeve. Um, we'll talk to you off... Uh, About how good Jesus is, but Son of God before Jesus' time, yep. Um, And they announce, they proclaim the good news, the gospel, that the Son of God had brought peace. And so at the beginning of Mark, we have verse 1, where it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Do you get the tie? It's satire, it's satire of these. Um, these proclamations that the empire has brought peace the son of God has brought peace by subduing another nation and slaughtering all their men folk. it's this really fascinating story um, and you only get to that if you dig a little bit but John, uh, Mark 1 goes really really quickly um, he, he kind of goes straight to the John the Baptist bit doesn't, doesn't do the whole nativity deal um, Jesus is baptized, and he comes out of the water, and, and God says, "This is my son, Son of God. You can get that thing strengthened um, and then he re- recruits some fishermen to be in his posse." Um, And then he heads to the synagogue, and in the synagogue he does some teaching with this authority that comes from somewhere that they can't quite recognize. But they're like, man, that guy's got some authority. Son of God going on. Um, And he casts out a demon, and the demon goes, oh, you're you're son of God. And he's like, no, shut up, shut up, don't tell anyone. So that's where we're at. And then we hit some verses. Here we go. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, these two chunks, there's not... doesn't look on the face of it like there's a whole heap going on. Um, but we're going to jump into our little, little posses um, and we're going to focus on like what, what are the little confusing bits like what's, there, there's some slightly confusing bits in here that, that should kind of trigger you a little bit um, what things stand out um, and, and what are like all of the stories we're being told in, the past, in this passage what are we being told about Jesus what are we being told about who he is and what he does um, does everyone get that Cool. Uh, three more minutes. Let's do that. All righty, then. How'd we go? How many themes can we kind of explore here? Um, anyone find anything kind of Odd? Confusing, out of character. Why did um, Jesus kill all people's demons, but then not even the demons say that he was Jesus? Didn't, didn't yeah, what, do you, what do you think? Um, I don't know, I'm confused by it. Hmm. Didn't, would people want to know that he's the Son of God? It was too dangerous for Jesus' actual identity to be revealed. And that's why his actual identity had to be a secret. Yeah. And it wasn't fully revealed until after he rose from the dead. Yeah, Jesus was um, in this this time of sort of political upheaval where um, the the Jewish people were under oppression, um, and they were looking for the Messiah. Like it wasn't like they'd kind of forgotten, you'll oh, be a Messiah one day, sure, whatever. They were yearning for a Messiah. They were yearning um, for this mighty, victorious guy to come along and throw off the shackles of oppression and throw the Romans um, out of Israel. They were yearning for the Messiah, but they weren't yearning for the Messiah we know. They were yearning for a military leader. They were yearning for a guerrilla warfare expert. They were yearning for something that Jesus wasn't. And so if Jesus was held up as the Messiah, the Messiah who was being talked about at the time, he would have been killed very much earlier. They were yearning for ISIS. They were yearning for something. Um. (laughs) Anything else? Anything stand out? um... Like everyone's looking for you. And he's like, oh I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, so so he's been healing people. He's got he's got this, this crazy big healing ministry going. Like it's revival in the town, they're, they're all coming out to be healed. It literally says the whole town came came and uh tried to get healed. They brought every the whole town gathered at the door. It's actually insane. Like even if you get over the hyperbole that kind of Mark kind of throws around occasionally, like Shitloads of people were coming to be healed And and so Jesus was Like obviously they came after dark So he'd already had a long day And then they came after after dark So he'd healed a whole crap load of people And then he was just trying to get a little bit of rest And go back to the Father And get get a download right Uh, And they're like hey there's more people to heal You know you're famous You've hit the big time Uh, And he's like nah we're going somewhere else Any guesses? There's a bit of that, I think. Yeah. Anything else? Maybe, told to go to another city. Maybe. yeah. If he stayed there and kept healing people and people told the nearby to towns and they would have there their their sect to that town and then what and people would be traveling from across the country to come to this one place and it would have built up into this giant thing which he didn't want. Yeah, we we kind of put this mantle of healer on Jesus, but Jesus didn't really come to start a healing ministry. When when we see Jesus healing people, it's people who come to him, come across him while he's doing his ministry. His ministry is a ministry of teaching and revealing and calling to repentance. It's it's so it's quite fascinating. Um, later, um, it, it, Jesus has this like killer line, he's in Capernaum here, which is where he kind of grew up, he has this killer line where he's, he's like, um, Capernaum, you, you didn't even believe when you saw the miracles, it'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment, like, he, he's, he's there, he's doing the miracles, but that's not why he's there, and, and Capernaum didn't want Jesus' um, teaching, they didn't want his revolution, they just wanted the miracles. They just wanted the shiny glitz and glamour. They didn't want the humble service, um, lose your life to find it message. So when Jesus moved on, he was moving on because he wasn't actually there to heal everyone in the town. And he was just one man. He had to keep going with his message. Interesting stuff. Anything else? Maybe just trying to people and to show a little bit what the kingdom Yeah. Anything else? That's really good. That's a three-point statement. Well done. Congratulations, everyone. Well done. See, like, um, Jesus' big thing was, like, he, he wasn't there to be that Messiah. He wasn't there to be what they, like, wanted. He was there to be something different. We keep talking about empire and kingdom, that they're complete and utter opposites. Like, Jesus was asked to be... This one thing that was just an evolution of violence and bloodshed. So and they wanted to be ruled and oppressed by their own king, not a, not a foreign king. Um, but Jesus was coming to, to do something else, to completely flip that. He was coming to bring revolution rather than an evolution of what they'd seen. Our Haggadah is the Gospels, right? Like this tiny little chunk, tiny little throwaway blip of a thing is about kingdom. It's about salvation. It's about the core of who Jesus is. It's about who we are as children of God. And those stories of Jesus are our stories. There's a reason we do good stories at the beginning of our services, that's to continue to tell ourselves the stories of who God is, and therefore who we are. Um, And hearing a little bit of that on a Sunday isn't really enough, and that's why I couldn't do the three-point sermon. I wanted to push it out to you guys, because it's actually not our job to stand at the front and break down every piece of Scripture. That's not what church is for. That's what the body is supposed to do. Like, we've got to be getting into this. We've got to be digging into this by ourselves. We've got to be building the tool sets to get those stories, finding what's confusing, finding those bits that stand out and trying to figure out, why am I confused? There's no amount of weekly stories about Scotty walking the Camino that can do that for us. (laughs) What stories are we listening to? Um, we're about to, I guess, stand and proclaim some more stories um, about who God is and who we are. Um, so I encourage you, as as we do this whole worshipy gig, like think about what we're saying. Think about the stories we're singing to each other, because we are singing not just to God but to each other. We're joining together to reaffirm what we're saying. Um, I encourage you to lean into, into those stories and lean into that Haggadah of ours, those Gospels, in the coming weeks.